Hi, I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. It's another packed show once again. We've got the all the FA Cup reaction upsets and big wins and things like that. And we've also got a look back at the National League fixtures that took place on a Saturday with some bizarre goings on as well as certainly in the game I was at. Um, so we've got all that to look forward to. But now joining us, we've got Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, guys. And we've also got Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hello, Luke. And uh, there's Dickie in his closet again. Hiya, Dickie. Yeah, good afternoon, Luke. I've, I've hung up some slightly more... Um, I obviously won't make any difference to people who are only listening, but yeah, I've tried to make the decor a little bit brighter in here today. <laughs> And joining us as well, we have got, he's, he's injured, so he didn't play for Dagenham and Redbridge this afternoon. Uh, we have got Callum Reynolds, who's sporting a Sheffield United shirt. Afternoon, Callum. Afternoon, chaps. And that brings back good memories for you, doesn't it, that Sheffield United shirt? Yeah, it didn't, didn't bring us any luck today, but um, yeah, great memories um, from, well, two seasons ago now. Um, gone quickly, but yeah, it was a great, great day. And whose shirt is it, Callum? We can't see the back. It's uh, Martin Craney. So he was at Portsmouth. I was there as a youngster and he was, um, they signed him from Southampton. Um, so yeah, I saw him, grabbed him after the game. Um, thought it was a bit more personal. Billy Sharp came on. I couldn't get near enough him in, in him for the last 20 minutes to ask him for his shirt. So <laughs> I was marking Craney on corners as well. So I dropped that one in. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Pulling his shirt going, I'll have this after. <laughs> yeah, literally, just saying. <laughs> I had to wait, to be fair, I had to wait about 45 minutes afterwards. They was just getting a grilling in their changing room. So I'd been showered and I'm asking the <laughs> steward, I'm like, has anyone come out yet? He goes, no, nah, they're still getting battered by Chris Wilder. So <laughs> I had to wait for it, but it was worth it though. <laughs> well, I mean, both, obviously Barnett were in action today. They had a narrow 1-0 defeat against MK Dons. And it looked a fairly... Fairly even game that, and it was just a bit of class from Cameron Jerome that, that won it in the end. Yeah, well, ex-Premier League striker, it's nothing really to be ashamed of. Um, obviously, they beat Burton last round at home. Um, I didn't see it because I was watching the Dagenham game, but it was a late goal as well, same as in our game. And sometimes it just shows... You say fitness levels, like obviously the full-time clubs, but I think the intensity and the physicality higher up the leagues you go, um, it just increases the higher you go. And a bit of quality as well, like I said, Cameron Jerome and Nicky Maynard got the winner against Dagenham. And sometimes it's those half chances um, and they've taken them and both gone through. So that's, that's sometimes that's the difference. Yeah, it's heartbreak for your... Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, this I'll link it in actually, Luke, if that's all right. Callum, just before we look more closely at Dagenham's game, one of the things I picked up again today from the Barnet game and the TV coverage, holding a manager back at half time for an interview when the players in the dressing room are waiting for instruction and direction, it really annoys me. And obviously, I'm on the media side of things with football. Um, what do you think of that? Because on a couple of occasions, I've seen managers held waiting for four or five minutes to go live. Half of half of half time's gone by the time they get back in the dressing room. Who who is the interview with Beadle? Uh, that was with Beadle at Barnet today. Yeah. Um, 
I'd be fuming. I used to be fuming when people would come on the pitch and out before the game. Do you know, like you're trying to prepare for the game. Half time, like you said, it's not a long, a long period of time anyway. Uh, sometimes it's just a short, clear message that you want to get over. Um, <laughs> waiting for the TV. I'd just sack it off. Like, and unless he's being paid to do it, then <laughs> um, it don't make sense. You don't see it at any other level. Um, it's just but the wrong maybe, time, isn't it? You know, um. We're all, all of us chaps are in and around footballers, professional, semi-professional footballers. And you just know the times that you, you don't do it, you know, mm. you don't talk. I'd never come up and talk to you while you were warming up at all this shot. But I knew if you'd finished your warm down and you were stretching off by the barrier, you were okay to come and have a word with us, you know. But um, I don't know, I think it's in, a little bit too intrusive and it's gone too far, chaps. Anybody else got a, a strong opinion on that or a counter opinion? No, I would agree. I would agree, Rob. I think it's ridiculous. And what value do you get out of those um, out of those interviews anyway? You're not. They're not going to give you the tactics for the second half, are they? In case any, anyone's listening. So um, I just think it. Yeah, it is a bit daft, and it also gets the gets the managers back up for us media later on. The emotion at half time. If something's happened just before half time or at the end of the game, you know as well. Like you're not going to go steaming in, whether it's good or bad, because. Um, they need that time to kind of collect this her thoughts because you have to, you can't speak like you would in the changing room for the media. So you kind of, yeah, you, it's a bit, I don't understand that. I, I'd be fuming if I was a manager. Some managers well have like five minutes just to kind of let the players have their say to each other and point fingers. Then the, the manager goes in, doesn't he? And have his, has his 10 minutes. But that, that's the time for him to let the players speak as well sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, on the other side, if some things ain't going well, if he's not come in for five minutes, then there could be a full-on scrap going on. So, <laughs> Just coming on to your game then, Callum, um, heartbreak and disappointment right at the end for Dagenham. Um, obviously, uh, the threat of the cup shot early on with a goal from McCallum and then Mansfield levelled relatively soon afterwards, but it was going, it went to extra time, it was going right to the wire. It was what? 20, 30 seconds away from a penalty shootout. It's just heartbreaking. Well, the maddest thing was their keeper was getting warmed up. You know, down where you walk down to like the concourse in the stadium, he's, di- he's getting volleys behind the bench. So they've, one, they tried to sub him on and I thought the ball wasn't going to go out to make it. Anyway, he literally just come out and, well, they actually set it back to him. So he got a touch and he boomed it. And uh, that was it. From centre, they just tried to shoot because the ref's obviously saying it's done. So it literally was the last, the last kick in open play. Um, yeah, proper gutting for the boys. Like I feel sad, and I weren't even there. Like they must be, they must be hurting after that. I tell you what, what a finish by Paul McCallum though for that opening goal it was a tight angle, put it right across the goalkeeper. Yeah, he seems to uh, seems to play up to the cameras. Obviously, last year he scored at Yeovil in the playoffs. Um, but he's a great finisher. Like I've been lucky enough that he's joined Dagenham. Um, he's just come back from a little injury as well. Um, but yeah, if he gets chances, then more often than not, he's taking them. Like always hitting the target, he's taking them. Um, but yeah, it looks like a promising partnership between him and um, Scott Wilson as well. So hopefully they can carry that on in the league. I mean, I know you're out injured, and I don't know the extent of that injury perhaps you can share with us and, and was that another one of these injuries that's related to the intensity of this season? 
I think so. I, I first felt it in pre-season, it was my back, and I carried on playing. I played about another five, six games, and it weren't until late on in the Barnet game where I felt my groin first, but that was obviously coming from my back, um, and I came off at Wildstone. And yeah, I've been out since then, but there's been so many, like you said, muscular injuries, even with our squad, um, and I'm guessing most other teams coming back in. Although we had a proper pre-season, but having that much time off and then having to come back pre-season and then playing two games a week for like the first five, six weeks, whatever it is, it's um, yeah, it's not an ideal preparation. What we'll do is we'll we'll bring in a couple of guests. We've got um, also got with us this afternoon. Phil Annett, he's back with us, the FA Cup Fat File. Hiya, Phil. Hi, Luke. Hi, how's everybody? Yeah, great. Cheers. And I'm sure we'll get some... Um, some facts and stats and whatever you've got for us later on. But uh, we'll come back to you, Phil, because once again, we'll uh, we'll bring in another FA Cup hero from Charlie. We've not got Jamie Vermigler on, on the line with us this week. He's not going to sing to us. Uh, but Elliot Newby might sing to us because you were singing Adele again in the <laughs> dressing room because you went and did it. You went and beat Peterborough away. I won't do any singing. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, what, what a result. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, with them scoring early, you thought it's going to be a long, a long day. Because um, a couple of years ago we played Doncaster um, in the first round, we got beat seven. So it was one of them where we thought it could be a long day, but we just sort of stuck in there and um, sort of matched them up really and went for it and then came out on top. So yeah, I loved the second goal as well. That set piece, it just I love it when you kind of outthink a football league team like that. Just that run to the edge of the area, it was headed in, they didn't deal with it, and it was blasted. Yeah. In. Elliot, yeah, is uh, it, is yeah it, Rob here. Um, oh, yeah. question about that I, I'm going to be honest I watched um, you guys winning at Wigan and then we had Jamie on the show afterwards and the draw came out and I felt for you guys that was that, that was that was my feeling at the time oh no they've, they've got a way to a an informed top of the league one side as hard as it can get at this stage and that might just be one too far for you guys then they go and name their strongest side. <laughs> only only one one forward he's got a little bit of a knock left out. Then you go one nil down. Um does that make it an even bigger and better achievement than the win at Wigan? Yeah, when you say it like that, it seems, you know, how how much of an uphill task it was, especially starting the game like that. But obviously when you look at the draw, you're looking as a second round tie, you kind of just want to get through that round and then you want to get to round three with all the big teams that come in so when you get sort of the best team that you could get in the competition that's left in that are in form away from home it's it's a really tough task but we definitely felt confident after beating Wigan we thought why not we'll just go for it again see what happens like people have been sending messages and stuff like just from the football world like people that we've played with just saying congratulations because you know how much of a difficult thing it is especially for a, a team like us a small team score to a team especially that's in form and do that it's just obviously it's an amazing day for us you've got further than your brother as well in this competition which is, <laughs> which is yeah. remarkable which I'll, yeah I'll surprise that too far surprised he went out obviously I think they went out to Stockport mm. who um, Stockport are, are looking good this year I think they won again today um, but yeah that's a little um, got one over on him there so interesting as well I was reading a stat I think you've won more games at League One grounds this year than National North League grounds, which is a brilliant. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've only we haven't played many games in the mm. in the league. To be honest, it feels like we've almost played as many FA Cup games as we've played league games. To be honest, I think we've only played maybe seven in the league, and maybe we've played five 
maybe even six in the FA Cup. So it, it feels like we've hardly had a league campaign so far. But um, yeah, we've actually we seem to be better against the, the bigger teams that come out and and we can go toe to toe with them. We feel like we just need to sort of sort out now against um, our league form. Really, how's how's ahead? Sorry, how's ahead as well, Elliot? We saw we saw um, <laughs> saw a few pictures from the bus and also the dressing room after. Yeah, obviously, just amazing, really. When you when you got a game like that, it's a long bus journey back. If you lose, it can be a long day, and then if you if you win, it can seem short because you just want to stay on the bus with the lads, just enjoying it. But yeah, those are the sort of um, the nights which you do play football for, really. In fact, the last time Callum Reynolds, uh, who's with us as well, Elliot, um, joined us. Um, I think well, one of the times you previously enjoyed us, uh, Callum, um, we had to wait for you to get in. Oh no, you're on. You're, you're about to have the night out after this, the big win at Sheffield United, weren't you? Yeah, I don't even know what time I got in that day. So I was going to say, I thought you'd, you'd still be steaming or out somewhere, but there's no, <laughs> no pubs open for you, which you is a anything, yeah. bit gutting for you. But nice uh, them days, especially like obviously we're playing like lower leagues and to beat them, them. Up, then things don't come around a lot, so it's good to enjoy them when they come. It was, it was, was that the only thing as well? That the sad thing that the fans weren't there. I saw you celebrate. You all did a knee slide, didn't you, in front of the end stand <laughs> where the away fans would have been yeah. as well? Yeah, we pretended there was fans there. Um, did a little celebration at the end, but it can kind of work in our favour or against us, really, with, without the fans. Because obviously, they didn't have fans supporting, but then you think there'd have been a lot of Charlie fans there anyway. So it would have been good to, to have some fans there because I'm sure there would have been a few thousand. Charlie, even at the Wigan game, there would have been there'd have been a lot there. So it's a bit kind of, it's not as good as it could have been, but it's still still amazing. Phil, um, blind us with some Charlie facts and stats. <laughs> yeah, some fantastic achievements and surely in the FA Cup this season. You all know very well it's a, the first time a club have made it into the uh, third round of the FA Cup. Uh, never been this far and... Uh, this is their 113th attempt, I guess, if you like, at campaign. Um, and that in itself is, is an FA Cup record. Uh, it was held by Stanbridge, who had, uh, had to take 112 campaigns to get this far. So I don't know whether you feel good or bad about having taken 113 campaigns to get to the third round for the first time. But still, fantastic news. I, don't uh, know, I think, I think uh, Elliot's only probably played in the last few. <laughs> yeah, I won a round <laughs> 37 years ago. Wow. <laughs> This, season, but, uh, this, this season's felt like 112 campaigns rolling into one, hasn't it? <laughs> I think also, um, and I, I, I need to do a bit more digging, but I think it is the first time ever a Step 6 team has beaten two Step 3 clubs away from home in the same campaign. Even Probably even two Step 3 clubs in the same campaign, uh, never mind home or away. So that is another fantastic achievement you should be really proud about. Um, is it? 89 places or something between them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never remember which is the biggest gap between teams because mm. at the time, the gap versus the gap at the end of the season is never the same, so it's very hard to keep on top of it. But it's pretty impressive, 89 uh, place, places. It's not the record because I know there's been four division gap uh, between teams in the past, but pretty commendable anyway. And I think yeah. the first National North League, uh, National League North team since Blythe Spartans, I think, in uh, uh, 08, 09, uh, to, uh, to make it this far. So, again, another another notch to add to that uh, record run that you've had in this season. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, Darren Ferguson, an older Peterborough manager, he looked like he'd, he'd realised he'd just left all the windows and doors open at home and the oven on with his face <laughs> afterwards. Uh, he wasn't too happy, was he? Um, but Elliot, who, who do you want next round? Obviously, what a home tie. I'm, I'm guessing, do you want someone like uh, Man United or City? Yeah, obviously now we've got to this stage, it's, it's a whole different ball game really with the draw. It's like the stuff dreams are made of really. Um, so yeah, but obviously we feel confident after after beating them, no one gives a chance on paper against Peterborough. So if we get a team, another team, League One, a league team, we'll, we'll feel confident. Like, so if you want one of them, you can feel like you can win or you want one of the biggest that you can get, which is what everyone, everyone sort of dreams of. Hopefully fans back in by the time that, that game's played. Be honest with us, Elliot. Do you, do you want... I mean, Matt, uh, Luke, you've assumed that there. Do you want a home tie of, or after... Two two visits to League One sides away and one. Why don't you maybe want the same as that? Only a higher level team, maybe. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think we've I don't think we've won at home. This we've won the FA Cup all <laughs> match. To be fair, but we've we've been much better away from home. It seems when I don't know when teams sort of attack a bit more and leave leave a bit more space behind for us. It seems to suit us. So if we can go to Liverpool and they attack us a bit. We might be able to catch them on the break. You never know. <laughs> I love your positivity. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, if you get a twelve thirty kickoff against Liverpool, you'll have you can complain <laughs> about that as well. So <laughs> you got a chance there, mate. <laughs> oh, we were joking, actually, saying you might get Stockport at home because um, you're a bit of a bogey side for Stockport. Certainly at Victory Park, anyway. Yeah, that that'd be an interesting one. I always like playing against them. There's always a, bit, a little bit of a rivalry against them. We good if fans could get in for that one, especially. Very unusual to have two uh, two non-league teams playing each other in the third round. Doesn't happen very often. I think there it's is only a, six, six times in the past. There so, is a chance, though, Phil, isn't there? Sorry, because obviously you've got Canvey Island, Boreham Wood, which takes place on Monday yeah. evening. Uh, Marine, yes. Harrington, Waterlooville is currently taking place. So you'll get another one there. It's um, four times. Yeah, so mm. there's a chance. It's slim, but it's a chance. But it'd be typical of the FA Cup for it to happen. We talk about how exciting it is for fans and how exciting the draw is for players and managers, Phil, but for you, you must be buzzing as well. You've got all these years' worth of stats on the FA Cup and how far teams have gone and who they've played and how many times they've met and everything. You know, you, you it must just literally light the blue touch paper when the draw starts for you, doesn't it? Your head must be going off in all directions. It is. None of the facts are in my head, not at all. It's all written down on my computer. So, you know, I'm waiting for the draw and I think, who's got who? And then I have to go and search it out. And the problem is that because I'm searching all the database I've got, the people who are involved in the teams, they know already. So they get it all out there before me. So by the time I do it, it's old news. But... You spoiled it now, Phil. I thought you had it all. Uh... <laughs> I've been used to some mastermind. I'll be absolutely awful on mastermind. I love, <laughs> I love to just pan the camera back and Phil's desk and see how many bits of paper and spreadsheets and laptops he's got open now, just in yeah. case. I've got a second one right. now watching the Haven versus uh, Marine game, just make sure that's still going on. But yeah. Just a final one, while we've got Elliot and while we've got Callum on. Callum, casting your mind back to when the draw was made for the, uh, was it the third or the fourth round, when you drew Sheffield United, um, when that one came out, what did you genuinely think, honestly, your first few seconds? Were you buzzing well, yeah, I was down there. It was on the BBC. I got invited down there. And it was, it was at Stamford Bridge, uh, funnily enough. Wow. So um, yeah. I went to the draw, uh, took my mate with me because I heard there's free food and drink. 
Um, but, <laughs> no, but I heard, as soon as I heard Sheffield United and then it was us, like, I let out a little cheer. I don't know if there's, there's obviously footage, but you could probably hear me let out a little cheer in the background because obviously I know it's at, like, a, a big club, but a ledge stadium as well to go and play in. And... Um, Funnily enough, it was uh, Darren Curry's second game. He took over just before. So his second game, we've gone up the night before. The bus, the coaches pulled in on the day and uh, the biggest stand in the whole ground. It just, there's a statue, I think, as well. And it just says the Tony Curry stand. And you're thinking, Jesus, like, he's a proper legend there. And this is it's his uncle. So mm-hmm. I was thinking, no pressure there on Daz. But um, yeah, I was, I was obviously happy. <laughs> it was a bit of anti-climax with the fourth round draw because... Uh, there was about maybe like seven or five teams left and it was um, Spurs, who were still playing at Wembley, United, Arsenal, and then uh, we got Brentford at home. And then even then, we got, <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> I don't know if there weren't live cameras on us because we were down at, down at the ground and one of the boys just slumped in his chair and fell to the floor. <laughs> so I don't think they put it out there, but... Um, well, we even forced that to a replay, um, which was good, but it weren't like the big dogs. We've got that far. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it was a bit like, bit of a nanny climax. Um, but at the draw, it was class. I met Zola, who's like a hero, obviously, being a Chelsea fan, and Rude Hullet. Um, I think Zola was, he was involved at Chelsea because uh, Sari was the gaffer. He was assistant. And he was like, he, obviously everyone says he's a nice guy, but he was genuinely, I said, I've got a picture I got a picture with him when I was smaller than him. <laughs> um, but he said, oh, I, hope we, like, I hope we get drawn against you. So that was a nice touch, but it didn't, no, unfortunately, it didn't happen. We got um, a few miles down the road, West London, uh, Brentford. Interestingly, as well, we, we discussed it in the last, well, when we did our last FA Cup pod, but I want to hear what Elliot and Callum think. Uh, FA Cup replays, do you, do you think it's an extra game, an extra burden? Would you rather it be settled on the day like it has been this year? For me, um, definitely when you play in the the bigger teams, I think, if it's over the course of a game, I think you've sometimes got a bit of a better chance if it's, if it's on your day, taking them to extra time penalties, you maybe have a bit more bit more luck on the day. Um, I'm not too fussed about replays. It depends who you're playing, really. If we were to draw against the, a big team, a Premier League team at home, then you'd want to go away as well. So it's kind of, it's kind of a double-edged sword, really, that one. So. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the same thing because sometimes you need to have a good day and then have an off day, which, again, the better teams you play against, they don't have too many off days. Um, but yeah, especially this year, no crowds and that. Like like I said, if, you, if you're going to get a replay and go and play another empty stadium, it's just not uh, it's not what you want. It's not what you want as a player and the club don't want it either because the chance of it to make more money, they're not making anything unless you get on the TV. So... I think normal circumstances, yeah, depend who you play, really. Depends who you play. I mean, if we got a draw against Chorley and we had to go up there on a Tuesday night, I wouldn't yeah, want that. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> Just to wish you the best of luck for tomorrow, really. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll all have eyes on the draw. And um, I imagine you'd probably be fancying another game on television. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah hopefully, you get, what you hopefully can do. get a big draw. Yeah, fingers crossed. Marina, Marina at home might not be on telly though. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want that. That'd be a tricky one. That yeah, that'd be a tricky one. We're well. a bit disappointed. We had a great guest, uh, Elliot, but we're a bit disappointed you didn't come on singing Adele. We, I mean, if the, <laughs> gaffer, the gaffer can do it, surely you can. <laughs> He's got a better voice than me. Don't want to hear yeah. me sing. 
<laughs> it, it, it was it was Jamie's dancing yesterday. I think that caught the eye oh, yeah. when he was um, coming back into the dressing room. So um, I don't know. Might be able to put some of the the money you've made aside to get him some lessons. I would suggest. Might be a yeah, good idea. hopefully. That's I've amazing. seen the setup. We went to change room. It was a function room, and it just screamed absolute knee slides on the floor. Yeah, covering bits. Just get sliding through it. There was all sorts going on there. Just stuff flying everywhere. Chairs and that all over the place. It was weird watching it because I've been in that room at, at London Road. I've been to London Road many times, and um, it was weird seeing it as a dressing room. And then even weirder with all the players like on the table, on the chairs. Uh, how's the tactics board? Did it survive? <laughs> I don't think. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. It might still be in Peterborough. Uh, uh, nice one. Thanks so much, um, Elliot and and Callum for, for for joining us for the the podcast and all the best in the next round, Elliot. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. Any. Matches you particularly want to talk about? For- well, it's, it's, um, it's been uh, not not the greatest of weekends, I don't think, for National League. There's only only um, Stockport and Chorley being successful. I mean, it's great, great, uh, obviously, uh, for Chorley, but we might have hoped for a few more. Obviously, we've got a couple who are playing lower-level teams, but they're having more danger of being on the wrong end of a cup set rather than the right end. Uh, you would expect them to come through, although it's very tight. Uh, but Stockport, first time they've made it into the third round for quite a while, 14 years, um, going very well. Um, came back twice against Yeovil today uh, to win 3-2. So I think that was a, a great, great uh, resilience there to do that, uh, to come through there. Chris, you had your eye across that, didn't you? Yeah, I was watching that one. I think what I said to you on, on the group was it was low on quality, but high on grit, I think. It was all, it was one of those games where the pitch looked like it had shrunk and there was 22 players in a really small space because there was no space anywhere. Mm. Um, County were slightly the better team, I would say. They had a lot more possession. Yeovil had two shots by the time they, they got their second goal. But the turning point was when um, Ben Hinchliffe saved from Luke Williamson, I think. And um, I think, Rob, you mentioned it on our little group that uh, that, that changed things. And it, and it really did then. And it was a, it was a bit of quality. It was uh, a crossing, diving header by uh, Connor Jennings that won it in the end. Yeah, it was a good goal, wasn't it? And a massive save from Hinchcliffe. Um, I, just, I said to you in the group, I just could, the minute that Yeovil had the opportunity to go ahead a third time and he saves the penalty... You're suddenly thinking if you are Yeovil and you've had the luck, the misfortune, the bad re- results they've had this season, you're thinking that was their chance. Yeah, no, absolutely it was, wasn't it? Because there'd have been three to up, I think it was about seven or eight minutes or something like that uh, left at the time when that happened. Interestingly, I've got a little uh, fact, FA Cup fact. Stockport <laughs> County have played three FA Cup matches in a row with no um, league games in between at all um, because they had the break for COVID. Um, they had to replay their Chesterfield game because there was an ineligible player when they originally got beat um, by Chesterfield. So they've had three FA Cup matches in a row and I can't think of many times where, where that would have happened. Well, not, not in different rounds anyway. I mean, it happened in the old days when we had multiple replays. Yeah. So they played three times, but this year we've got a couple of teams at level eight who obviously can't play league games at the moment, and they're just playing FA Cup games. That's the only games they are playing. Yeah. Uh, so it may happen again uh, this season if one of the, one or the, both of those get through again. But yeah, it's unusual season. It's thrown up all sorts of unusual stats like that. 
Um, hard to keep on top of it sometimes. Good one. I like it. And as we, yeah, record, as we record, Phil, who's the lowest ranked team left in the FA Cup? Is it Marine or is it Canvey Island? It's Canvey Island are lower in their division than Marine are in. Oh, Marine have scored. Oh, that's yeah. outstanding. If it's true. <laughs> yeah, last minute. It was just a ball into the box and it was headed across and now Cummins headed in from about half a yard out and everyone's on the pitch. <laughs> uh, somebody stood but somebody stood with a glass of champagne in a garden cheering. Uh, it's one of those unique grounds and yeah, everyone's on the shed roofs cheering and yeah, it was it was uh, it's literally the last minute of, of extra time. Oh, well, that's yeah, it. So. Marine v Charlie in the next round. That's another bit of FA Cup history. Sorry for the National League side being on the wrong end of it, but there's only been one step eight or level eight club in the third round in the past. So oh. that was uh, um, Chase Town way, way, way back in 2008. So uh, fantastic for Marine. Uh, not so good for having, obviously, but uh, a great moment of FA Cup history to witness. As that stands, Phil, then obviously, like, say, Canvey Island. Marine potentially could be the lowest ranked team left in it after tomorrow, couldn't they? Definitely, yeah. I mean, it depends yeah. on the Canby Island result. But um, yeah, it's, it's uh, a, a good year for non league this year. Uh, National League have got a couple of teams, definitely three, maybe three. Uh, first time for a while. So uh, it, should be, it should be an interesting third round draw for the non league and National League teams. Oxford City were playing away at Shrewsbury this weekend. And I caught up with Oxford City's on loan defender from Stevenage, Louis Fernandez, to find out his thoughts. So, joining me now to look ahead to this weekend's FA Cup tie, it is Oxford City defender on loan from Stevenage. It is Louis Fernandez. Hi, Louis. Hi, mate. You OK? Yeah, I'm really good. And uh, you must be uh, absolutely buzzing waiting for this FA Cup tie to come around. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Is it is it one of the biggest games of your career? Would you say so far of your short career that you've had? Yeah, I'd say um, in terms of what it means to like, put like for the football club, then like it's probably the biggest I've played in. Obviously, when you play in your debut, like sort of want to do well in that. But yeah, this game is definitely the biggest, and it's probably of most value to the football club of like in the game I played in. Yeah, you were away at Shrewsbury. They've just, they've just got rid of their manager this week. So probably you would have wished he would stay for maybe another game. But um, yeah. down at the minute, so you can feel like you can go there. You beat another League One club in the last round, Northampton as well, uh, which was your first FA Cup game for the club. So that was a pretty good occasion. Yeah, yeah that was good. Um, obviously, we're full of confidence for this weekend because of what we did in the last round. And we know how good we are as a team. So... The Northampton game was good, but we know we have to up it for this game again. And then the belief is there within the group, so really looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's away from home. Obviously, the last round you're on your um, you're on your 3G surface, whereas it's on grass this time. So maybe a bit more. Um, I was going to say a bit more of a leveler, but maybe a bit a bit of a less advantage for you, maybe. Yes, yeah, yeah. We're obviously used to playing on the AstroTurf, and we do some good bits on there, but. We're trying to not take that, use that as an excuse, sort of, because what we can do on the Astros, so if we can do on the grass as well, we're all good players. So it it could be seen as a disadvantage, but we're not looking into it like that. We're just 
focusing on the outcome of the game. Yeah, since the Northampton game, you've, I think you've had, is it one defeat and two draws? So obviously you've not got a win since, but that doesn't look like it'll have ended. You have been pretty solid this season, haven't you? Yeah, we started off the season very well, but our league form hasn't been as good as we would have liked it recently. So um, obviously we're going into it without a win in quite a few games, but the performances have been good the whole time. It's just, I don't know what's really missing, but we can take away good thing from each game that if we take into Saturday, I'm sure we'll be able to hopefully cause an upset. Yeah, and how have you found it? Obviously, you've come on loan from, from Stevenage. Uh, how, how have you found it so far at Oxford City? I, I've, been, I've loved every day of it. I love going in with Oxford. I've, all the boys are good. The coaching staff's really good. Um... I thought the drop-down was going to be hard at first because I've never played in non-league and I've always thought it would be just long ball. But coming down to this level, you actually realise that the, the drop's not that big. Like All the players in this level are either pushing for moves into League 2 or players that have come down from the professional game. So the standard of football... It's not really different from like League Two or National League, mm. so um, I've enjoyed. It's, it's a test for me. It is a test, but I've enjoyed dropping down and getting some game time, and then obviously meeting a new group of boys, working with new managers. It's good. Yeah, so it surprised you a little bit then in terms of how it's how it's worked there for you in a good way. Yeah, it did surprise me in a good way. Yeah, but. I'm enjoying it, so that's where that matters. What's the manager like? It's quite a calm figure, David Oldfield, doesn't he? Yeah, David's good. He was um, he was a coach at Stevenage last year. When I first started playing first-team football last year, David was co- coaching at Stevenage, so he already knew a bit about me. And he also played a big part in why I wanted to go to Oxford City out of most clubs because... I know him as a person, he's a great coach and he's just really good to work with and he wants the best for everyone. So to play under him, it is, it's good and he's a very good coach and he's teaching me a lot. He's teaching me a lot. Yeah, and of course you're on loan from uh, Stevenage. Just um, just tell us a bit about your, your training then. Do you train with Stevenage during the day and then you go to Oxford on a Tuesday and Thursday evening? Is that how it works? So, um... Obviously, I'm off right now. That's because of the game on Sunday because I trained last night with Oxford and then we'll do a little session tomorrow at Oxford. So, um, David just said, have a day at home, do loads of stretching, all that stuff. Um, But because of, obviously, COVID, I can't really be mixing bubbles too much. Right. So, I do train with Stevenage, but I go in with the youth team. Um. On a Monday and Friday, I'll go in with youth team to like get on the move. And then on a Tuesday and Thursday, I'll train with Oxford. And then Wednesday and Sundays, I'll, of course, I'll have off Saturday, I'll play a game. I mean, you, you played, I think you played four times with Stevenage last year. So is that your ambition to when your own spell finishes to go back and get in the first team? Especially, I know Stevenage is struggling a little bit at the minute. So you might feel you can go back in there high in confidence with a point to prove. Yeah, my my goal's always been to play for Stevenage. Um, like, 
of course, I'm happy on my loan, but this season I would have been even happier if I was breaking into the first team from day one. I owe the club a lot because they're the first professional club to obviously sign me as an academy player, take me through the academy and put me into their first team. So I just, I'd love to be playing for the first team and hopefully contributing towards wins when it's not going as well as everyone at the club would like it to. But as long as I'm playing at the moment, I'm still young, so I need to just be getting games. And if Stevenage can't guarantee me that, then I'm more than happy to be out on loan at Oxford. Bro, Louis, well, uh, best of luck on, on Sunday against Shrewsbury. And best of luck for the rest of the season and in your career, and I'm sure we'll catch up to you. And that was Louis Fernandez, and they were all so close, weren't they, Rob? Yeah, they actually took Shrewsbury Town to uh, extra time and uh, finally uh, lost around 12 minutes from time. But uh, a really brave effort from them. I, I saw quite a few clips from that game. It was a, a brave rearguard action. They had a couple of chances. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't to be for Oxford City, um, which was a crying shame, really, having having played so well and gone so far into the game. Yeah, I think there were some parallels um, with that game between Shrewsbury and Oxford City um, with the other another one of the ties this weekend in the Darlington away to Bristol Rovers in that both of the National League sides are away to teams in the Football League who just had a change of manager. Um, Steve Cottrell's just taken over at Shrewsbury and I'm, I'm not entirely sure what he will have um, gathered from his first game in charge, but I think Paul Tisdale would have been um, a lot happier with what he saw from Bristol Rovers against Darlington. Um, pretty chastening weekend for them to be to, to lose by 6-0 I think it was at 1-0 you know didn't think that's too bad then they had a bit of a collapse in the 15 minutes before half time went to 4-0 down and then you know it's it's good night Vienna at that point which is it's a long way back and you know in, in both senses you know 4-0 down and it's going to be a long way back this evening but um you know, Darlington have reached the stage of the competition, I think, for the second season in a row, or they, they got beat in a first-round replay last year. So, um, you know, the financial benefits are good for them, even if, unfortunately, the result today hasn't been. Yeah, just on that one, uh, Dickie, I know that the a lot of the Darlington fans raised a bit of money to get the players down there. Um, obviously, Bristol Rovers is probably as far away as they, they probably could have drawn out the hat at, at, at this difficult time. So um, the rewards that come off the off the back of that for for reaching that round will be uh, will be definitely needed. Yeah, they're they're a good group at, at Darlington. The fans are they, you know, they they are a, a fan owned team and they they generate a lot of money for the club um, by those means. Uh, and as you say, when it came to sort of like travelling costs, I think they'd raise that money within the space of a few hours, um, which, which says a lot for the, you know, the dedication of the Darlington fans and, and how much they um, they care about their club. Yeah, it didn't quite happen for Darlington or, or Oxford City. Unfortunately, to say Oxford City gave it a really good go and it was really late on. A, a former Telford man scored, Daniel Udo, uh, tapping in. And again, a bit of a scruffy goal. I think it came off someone's backside and flew into his path and, he tucked it in for about three yards. Yeah, you know, it was a, a, a tidy finish from him, only about six yards out. So you, you would expect him to put one of those away. But um, yeah, Oxford City will pre- pretty hard done by, I would think. They, they might have hoped that, you know, at that stage, they were going to take it to um, a penalty shootout. Both sides have been reduced to, to 10 men with James Roberts having been sent off for Oxford in an incident with um, Aaron Pierre from Shrewsbury as well, which they both saw red for. Bit of a strange one. I, I, Roberts looked like he kicked out at him, so it was a bit, you know, not hard to see why that why, why Roberts got a red card. But but Pierre's was a, a little less clear cut. But um, yeah, I think Oxford City can hold their heads high. Ultimately, you know, they've gone there, and I think they've 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 
made a, a good show of it there. Yeah, so it's a bit of a blow that for having no Rob, isn't it? And Paul Doswell, after all the history he's had in uh, in the FA Cup, that that has now finished, as we as we record this. Marine have won by a goal to nil. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to be tough for Havant um, and for Doswell. <laughs> Obviously, he'll have to do what anybody has to do at this point and and, and focus uh, his and his team's efforts back on the league, where there is an expectation for them to at least finish. Uh, in the playoffs this season. Um, I'm just trying to think one or two of the other non-league clubs we haven't perhaps mentioned yet. Um, your old uh, stamping ground, Chris, Kings Lynn, uh, went to Fratton Park. Massive day for them. They've, probably a day when it, it, it was really ir- illustrated just how many levels they have come up in such a short time. Yeah, and I think Ian Coverhouse admitted at the end of the game the golfing class showed, and he he said what all um, sort of national league managers will, managers will probably be saying if when they're facing a league one club that you need them to have an off day and you need them to come with the wrong attitude. And he said they just didn't. They were just uh, fantastic uh, Portsmouth yesterday. What I will say about that game is um, I would have said it with Elliot on, but. Kings Lynn went down after two minutes as well. And uh, I was going to say, you, you don't have a chance after you've been, uh, you go down after two minutes. But obviously, Chola showed you that you can have a chance. But no, Kings Lynn went down after two minutes. Now, they had a lot of chances. I will say that. I think Marriott looked lively. Um, they, were, they were making good runs. They had a lot of chances. But as soon as it went 2 0, um, there was no chance. And uh, unfortunately, the floodgates opened in that second half. The other one as well was Solihull Moors. I mean, they really pushed Moor and they were 1-0 up. Hudlin opened the scoring and, and his team were, were at level nine, so they couldn't even enter the FA Cup. They were that low down. And then Morecambe went 2-1 up before um, Josh Cranston got the equaliser. And it went to extra time before Morecambe pulled away by four goals to two, but a really good effort by them. Yeah, and we had um, Brackley Town on Friday night as well in, in mm. the BBC's televised game. And, and yeah, I think, again... They're another side who gave a really, really good account of themselves in front of the the, the live television cameras. Just one, you know, real bit of quality. And well, there was it wasn't the only bit of quality in the game, but but the, the ultimately the, the bit that made the difference was Kane Woolery's his goal in the second half. But again, I think Brackley can draw a lot from that. You know, that they went there, they didn't sit back, they didn't put ten men behind the ball and just try to make it difficult. They did make it difficult, but they just did it by doing what Brackley Town do most week after week, to be perfectly honest. And and you know, they did have some half chances of their own and and uh, yeah, that they've got every right to um feel disappointed that they they perhaps didn't take that to extra time and and who knows, maybe even penalties after that. I think sure I, I was just coming back to Chorley myself when you think that more often than not, at some point, maybe the class of the high-level team comes through or, or, or that little bit of, of, of fitness or fatigue, mental fatigue, mental, we're almost across the line and a mistake is made. Um, there's no doubting Marine's achievement is phenomenal today. But I think in every way, in terms of the opposition they, they beat, the fact that they went behind, the fact that that opposition had its strongest team, and the fact that they played so well throughout, for me, Chorley's performance uh, was the pick of the lot. They didn't just sneak it, as Jamie Vermiglio said afterwards. They were in that game the whole way. They hit the woodwork twice as well. Um, and, and I can honestly make that 
I know it's a bit of a cliche statement, but if you just watched that game and had to guess which side were in League One and which side were in the National League North, you would have called it the other way around. They're a pretty new, well, they are a pretty new group, actually. I think I think when we spoke to, to Jamie Vimiglia after the last round, he spoke about how they'd um, had to re-recruit in the summer, how he'd sort of like uh, change things around from how they used to be. And a lot of the experienced heads that had got them into the National League, but then kind of had a pretty difficult time there, have been replaced. And, you know, they're a fairly young group. Um, they, you might have perhaps thought that a fairly young group of players might, wilt under the pressure but they they seem to have the character to to respond to it you know that Elliot said there that you know they 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 just kind of went for it really um and and it 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 won for them on the day Phil um what else have you what else have you got for us obviously now say we confirmed that Marine are are through uh, they've knocked out having at Waterlooville or a division uh, sorry two divisions above them yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Obviously, uh, Marine um, from the Northern Pyramid, like I said before, first team since Chasetown from that level to uh, make it through to the third round and in the second club ever. Um, we had so many nearlies from the National League, didn't we? Lots of clubs uh, in the second round, for, you know, equaling their best ever run, hoping maybe to get to the third round for the first time. Um, Chorley were the only ones to make it, but could have feel so for teams like Solihull Moors, who that's their fourth time in five seasons that they've uh, been in the second round. And uh, just, you know, unfortunately, just not, not made it through. And it's, um, it's not like they were well beaten. It was, uh, they gave a good account of themselves against Morecambe um, to only go down in extra time. So that was fantastic for them. And similarly for Brackley Town, they gave a good account of themselves at Tranmere. I think they matched them pretty much for most of the game from what I saw. And uh, again, they'll be unfortunate that uh, they didn't get through to the third round for the first time ever. And uh, I think you might have uh, covered off Oxford City. You know, again, the 112th campaign. So they were trying to do what Chorley had done. And they gave a great account for themselves. And again, just extra time. Uh, a couple of teams were Kingsland Town. Uh, again, another team uh, that uh, they were in the second round for the first time ever under the current guys. And uh, so again... Uh, that they've set themselves a new FA Cup record, which is great for the club. Uh, they'll be disappointed to go down uh, so heavily at Portsmouth. And then a bit of a shame for Darlington as well, who just didn't really turn up on the day, I don't think, um, after giving such a great account of themselves against Swindon in the previous round. It was a shame to see them get uh, heavily beaten. I think that's the heaviest defeat they've had since Reformation in 2012 in the FA Cup. So uh, not, not a great day for them. But still the furthest that they've gone since that time as well. So, you know, a mixed blessing in a way. I think when you when you mention things like the fact that it takes a team 113 years to get as far as this stage of the competition, just kind of reinforces, um, well, two things. that the, the pride that the players should have, that they are, you know, a group of history makers really with some of these clubs you know that they're, 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 they're going to go down as as legends in 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 non-league circles particularly you know for those particular clubs but you know also just just how how difficult it is to sort of like get that far really um and and 
you know, they, they, they really should, the non-league teams really should take an awful lot from, from getting this far because, you know, it's, um, it, uh, for a club to take 113 years to reach that stage of the competition, you've got to treasure that because you think to yourself, the chances are this isn't going to come around very often. You know, if it's taken 113 years to get this far, we can't necessarily imagine we're going to do it again in a couple of seasons time or things like that. So yeah, they, they really are days to treasure for teams at this level. I think the other thing it tells me is there's a lot of clubs up and down the country in the non-league world who have got histories that uh, lots of people in the top level of the game don't really understand and realise. And, uh, you know, many teams that are formed in the 19th century and have played in the FA Cup 100 years or more are still about and, uh, you know, part of their communities. I think the Oxford City said it, you know, they're, they're a community club and they've uh, you know, been around 50 years longer than Oxford United, for example, and, uh, uh, you know, have been a key team in the FA Cup this season. It's been fantastic to watch. And also, guys, the, the, with, the, uh, with the tiers as they are, the COVID tiers, I think I'm right in saying that Marine will be able to welcome fans along in the next round if, uh, if all goes to plan. What we, we say this every time we cover the FA Cup, boys, but <laughs> the magic of the FA Cup is so, so very much alive and... Sadly, to a lot of people that that um, that perhaps only sort of open their eyes and minds to Premier League football and international football, they they're missing out. There's an absolute mine of stories and achievements, incredible things that go on still year in year out. I just I think what the FA Cup probably needs is for aside from outside of the Premiership to get to the final and win it. Um, uh, thinking back, Millwall have been in that final. Wigan a couple of times. Wigan did do it, didn't they? Uh, it kind of needs another one of those because for me, no matter what happens in these early rounds, we keep ending up with two of the big six in the final. Um, yeah, personally, I think Arsenal should be banned, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 it all depends on how how the clubs treat the competition. For me, um, it's the club owners that are the problem rather than the clubs and their fans because the fans all want to have success in the FA Cup, um, particularly those based in this country. And it's it's club owners that dictate what their managers should focus on. And it's the managers then who who will play uh, second string teams. And that's fine if you're one of the top six because your second string is as good as everyone else's first string. Uh, but when you're a mid-table, bottom of the table, then that, that just leaves yourself exposed to get beaten by lower level teams, which is why those yeah. top six have dominated uh, so much over the last 20 years. I think what riles me is when you get to the, the fourth round and there might be um, a Rochdale in or, you know, Stockport County maybe, you know, and they put and the, the TV scheduling puts on Southampton versus Birmingham or something like that. And you think, what a great opportunity has been, just been missed then. On the flip side of that, I think the coverage has been brilliant this this year. It's been great just being on, uh, be able to get on the red button and just flip between... Uh, Matches, it's that's been that's been fantastic this time round. Yeah, it has been good, and it's a, it's a gripe. I I complain every year to the BBC directly. I write them a letter every year about their choice of selection of games of the third round, and uh, it comes back with the same answer all the time, which is we've got to appeal to the biggest audience, and they don't really get it either. That there's as many people will watch a game between a giant and a and a David uh, uh, in the third round as they will do watching two top Premier League teams. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's on terrestrial TV and you'll get a big audience. Well, after all that FA Cup action, let's move on and look at league action now. And we'll look at the National League first. And Rob, big surprising news 
this week, wasn't it? John Pemberton's replacement at Chesterfield. Uh, a player, I've, we should have asked Callum Reynolds about this actually, but mm. somebody you know really, really well. Uh, James Rowe has left top of the table in the National League North Gloucester City to go to Chesterfield. And that just came out of left field, didn't it? We saw names like Paul Hurst mentioned Tim Flowers and then bang Monday night on Twitter. James Rowe's being talked to you by Chesterfield. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, after a slow start, he was doing an excellent job at Gloucester. Well back, it's a really, really hard one for Gloucester to take. You know, the, the good news of, of moving back to Gloucester getting a, a young up-and-coming managing, manager to, uh, you know, to lead them. And they were flying. Uh, and we'll review the North and what happened to them in just a little while. But, uh, yeah, very, very quick bit of business done by Chesterfield. Um, it may have seemed sudden. I've got it on fairly good authority that Chesterfield did show interest in James Rowe once before when they were recruiting, uh, when he was uh, assistant manager at Aldershot alongside uh, Gary Waddock. So it was a renewing of acquaintances, I'm sure, with uh, those that run Chesterfield. Um, But he took over. His first trip was a tricky, long away trip uh, to Weymouth. And uh, they found themselves uh, 1-0 down just before half-time as well. Sean Shields with a goal. But one early feat that James Rowe has pulled off, he managed to pull a quasi-Asante over from Gloucester as well for an undisclosed fee, alongside an agreement that he wouldn't poach any more players uh, from the club that he was leaving. Asante scored just before half-time to get Chesterfield level yesterday. And uh, then the script was written for that man who always seems to score, Tom Denton. He got the winner, three points in his first game for James Rowe. Brilliant start. And he'll have his first game on Tuesday night at home against Aldershot and, and Chris and I should hopefully be there. Dickie, it was interesting actually somebody, I know you responded to somebody on the, the National League Facebook page thinking about Asante. Somebody said, well, what's he like? And you put quite a lengthy description on him and do you think he'll do he'll do well at that level? Um, I, it, I think it depends on the service he gets, to be perfectly honest. I think that's kind of my, my feeling with the quasi Asante very much as a player in that uh, I think I gave the comment I gave was that he can sometimes look like he's a bit lazy and and I don't mean that he's lazy I mean if he's been told to basically wait and we'll get the ball to you then that's what he's going to do and if you can get the ball to him he's a terrific finisher I think if if you can't get the service to him that's when he looks like he can go missing in games a little bit and and I suppose I was saying that more from the perspective of the way of I hate to say it, but fans tend to look at the game and, you know, if a player isn't absolutely charging round, you know, trying to win the ball back or whatever, they can sort of like perceive that they're not trying. He certainly will, you know, and if you get, I say, if you get the ball to him, then he'll, he'll, he'll stick it in the net absolutely well, but it just depends on the service. And, and, you know, that it's an intriguing prospect of a partnership with, with Tom Denton as well, you know, that they're, um, you know, they, they could be really, really good together, you know, the, the big man knocking it down for the, 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 for Asante to get the knockdowns. But, um, yeah, really good start for Chesterfield. Yeah today um i mean we'll come on to gloucester when we talk about the north later and obviously they are now in the situation of of looking for a manager and i've um there's been some suggestion as to a couple of possibilities for that role later but we'll cover that when we come to the north and chris your thoughts on the the move for james somebody in the whatsapp group said that um it's an interesting one because he was flying with gloucester probably would have been in the national league 
next season anyway with them. And Chesterfield, obviously, um, dangerously low in the National League, could have been swapping places with them. Yeah, I think it's an example where the lure of the, the name has um, has won the day. Because if you look at it on paper, as you say, um, you've got a team flying high, you've got strikers scoring hatfuls of goals, you've got backing, you've got a new ground. Uh, you've got an exciting project at Gloucester and it's going to be a fantastic job for for the next person who takes over it. Um, and going into a situation where you've got a club who've been relegated, you know, a lot in the in the last three three or four years, the, the struggling towards the bottom of the division. But on the plus side, with that win yesterday, the sort of fire up quite a long way into the uh, lower mid table from the low uh, end of the table. So there is there is opportunity there. So I would say it's brave. And I, I would say it's um, it's an example of the the pull of the the big name, the big club. It reminded me. That... Sorry, really. go on. No, go okay. on. Carry on. It reminded me very much of the choice that Mark Mosley had at the end of the season with Weymouth coming up to the National League, well loved team on the up, um, and the lure of the bigger club came along with with Southend. We wait to see how that works out in the long term. He's He's inherited a very, very difficult job there. Um, was, James, James Rowe is a very ambitious manager um, and uh, I, I'm not too surprised. I think it would have been very, very hard for him to turn down, even though he was so early relatively into the project at, uh, at Gloucester. Um, and uh, listeners, we will catch up with James Rowe over the course of this next week. Either my Chris or myself will catch a word with him uh, at Chesterfield on Tuesday night or... Um, James has said he'll he'll come on the podcast next weekend with us. Brilliant, yeah, definitely. And I know one other comment you made in the WhatsApp group was uh, he likes to play football, James Rowe, and you wonder where Tom Denton will fit in. Well, he certainly he certainly stuck his hand up, hasn't he? Early on, I mean, I we've seen him before, Dicky Chris, haven't we? He's not just a big lump in the air; he is quite good on the ground, isn't he? And he can link up play. Yeah, he absolutely can. And and you know, there's a reason why managers like him, and there's a reason why he's. He's always one of the first names on the fans' wish lists as well um, around the around the northern clubs. Um, but he's, he's great with his feet. And how significant yesterday that that Denson scored and Asante scored. Sort of the the guy who could um, the two who could link up the new hope and the uh, the guy who scored hatfuls of goals. I thought that was a it was a really significant victory yesterday. I thought absolutely, yeah. And uh, good, to, good for James Rowe to get off, off, up and running in his first game. There, the uh, another good win was for Sutton United. They got battered in midweek at Wrexham. I don't know what happened there, but they responded back on Saturday with a, a good one 0 win over Halifax. Yeah, Beautyman with the goal, and they go back up to second place. They've cut Torquay's lead to just two points now. They have played a game more, but uh, that was really good, and I think. Probably what Matt Gray would have done over the week, he would have said, look, we've had a really solid, consistent start to the season. Sometimes in football, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And that's what happened for them in that previous match. The only thing that really mattered is that they bounced back and hit the form they've been in prior to that. And that's what they did on Saturday. Uh, a really, really precious 1-0 win. A couple, couple more games in the National League Premier played on Saturday. Uh, a word for Altrincham. Uh, they got another win together, two nil at home to uh, the previously impressive Maidenhead, and uh, uh, 
from, from being really worried about them just a couple of weeks ago, Chris. Altrincham now sitting 10th place. Funny old game. Oh, you've got to hand it to him, haven't you, Rob? Because I've got to say, when we were there a couple of weeks ago with, with Aldershot, you wondered where the next goal was uh, was coming from, where the next win was coming from. And they've now won three out of the last four. So it goes to show what we know, doesn't it? Um, but it was the familiar partnership of Hancock and Pears for Altrincham and how many times the National League North and Northern Premier fans uh, have seen them two doing well. So it surprises no one uh, up here that um, you know those sort of players are playing. But... Um, Worrying for Maidenhead now, no no winning three. So um, they're going to be uh, regrouping, I think, and maybe having one of those uh, team meetings where they have a little chat. <laughs> surprise them. Oh, Maidenhead's away form's usually pre- pretty good, isn't it? So I was a bit of a surprise that they, they went up to Altrincham and lost. But everything we said about Maidenhead is coming true, isn't it? That Dev is a bit of a magician. He suddenly, he, they'll go on these long runs where you're worried about them and they don't get a win for four, five, six games. And then they go and win three on the trot. They go and beat some of the big boys. Um, the one other game which uh, caught a lot of interest again yesterday in the National League uh, was uh, Wrexham, who had put together not just back-to-back wins, but uh, three wins on the trot, flying up the table. And they were just pegged back by Bromley. Bromley uh, took the lead through Michael Cheek just before half time, But Wrexham stayed in the game. They got themselves a, a decent away point uh, with a goal from Adi Youssef, uh, 13 minutes from time. It's fifth now, I think, of the season uh, for Wrexham. And uh, they keep that little bit of momentum and that unbeaten run going um, until, obviously, the funds of uh, uh, the marvellous boys uh, come in and uh, they can uh, strengthen further. Yeah, and Rob Layton was carried off in that game and, unfortunately, uh, he's, he's, he's well and he's he, he was able to go home with the team as well, which is good news. Guys, I just wonder whether... Um... When the Wrexham are playing teams like Bromley, that uh, someone's got to relay where Bromley is to the, to the new <laughs> Bromley, where? Oh, Bromley, London. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, Bromley have had a film made about them before Wrexham have, arguably. So it's the Bromley boys. Yeah, true. Brill. Well, let's move on now and look at the National League South. Game of the day in the National League South was uh, surprisingly uh, down at Hungerford because Hungerford are well up there and they they had. Steve King's Dartford visiting them and, and ultimately it was Steve King's side who came out on top. I thought they would. i do a little prediction thing and I pre- actually predicted 2-1 to Dartford yesterday but it didn't look like it was going to go that way. Um, a Seager penalty uh, put Hungerford ahead on 33 minutes and I'm pretty sure I had a live score or a flash score notification of Hungerford going 2-0 up in that game but the goal was ultimately disallowed and... Uh, You know, Steve King and Dartford, they stayed in the game, didn't they? And uh, when they got level uh, with uh, 25 minutes to go, I thought, well, that'll probably be this season a decent point uh, for Dartford. But no, they went one better. It was a double, actually, for uh, Jacob Berkeley-Ajipong. Two goals in uh, 13 minutes and they come away with the points. And to tell you how significant that was, when Hungerford led in that game, they would have been top of the league at the end of the game. As it was... The three points they had in their hands were snatched away from them by Dartford and uh, and Dartford it is that uh, sit on the summit of the National League South. Yeah, the big winners of the day were Tom's beloved Hampton and Richmond. He's not here because he's celebrating his birthday and I'm sure we're having a couple of extra glasses of whatever he's drinking because what a win they had at Bill Ricky. Yeah, fantastic win. They went behind as well um, in the 10th minute uh, at uh, Bill Ricky, but uh, they turned it all around before half-time. 
uh, Gondo, Nico Muir with a couple of goals uh, yesterday and uh, Sam Deadfield as well. Um, and it was quite a weekend, really, for Tom, to be honest. Uh, he's had his birthday, uh, which, as you say, he's celebrating as we record this today. Uh, Hampton and Richmond, 6-2 winners on the road at uh, Billericay. And uh, Plymouth, his other team, uh, also getting a good win in the FA Cup. Uh, note that uh, in the second half, uh, Jake Robson, uh, Jake Robinson, friend of the podcast, did score. But I'm sure that's uh, a goal that Jake won't remember uh, or feel too too bothered about going forward because the defeat, I'm sure, will hurt him and uh, O'Hara that much more. Yeah, so Albans keeping up the pressure as well in those playoff places. The only unbeaten team left in the National League South this season and a really good win down at Eastbourne who had their only their second defeat of the season in the National League South. Massive win that for Ian Allenton's side. It was because Eastbourne have been uh, surprising a few people this season. But Sean Jeffers with the goal. Uh, a few red cards Flying about in the other two games, we must just quickly talk about Chippenham 1, Concord 1. Uh, Puddy sent off for Chippenham in the first half. They went behind and uh, uh, got level towards the end in that one. And two red card for either side in the other match as well. Beer sent off, uh, an early beer for Beer uh, at mm. Tunbridge. And uh, uh, for Hemel Hempstead, uh, Luke Pennell with two uh, yellow cards. Uh, ultimately, um, Hemel came from behind to win that 1-2-1 one, one with a penalty from Lacey and a winner from row nine minutes from time. We're going to move on now and look at the National League North. And in the National League North, well, we've just talked about it in the National League Roundup about James Rowe leaving Gloucester City. It was um, they reluctantly sounded like they let him go in the end. They got a compensation package for them. And as I say, they lost a quasi Asante. They've managed to keep the rest of them. However, it... Gloucester suffered their second defeat in a week, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a tumultuous week um, for Gloucester. Obviously, um, I don't think losing James Rowe would have been on their agenda um, going into into the week we've just had. But then um, there was certainly the suggestions, I think, were flying around on Tuesday. Um, and they lost their first league game of the season away at Gateshead on Tuesday evening. And I think James Rowe was then finally confirmed as the Chesterfield manager, having Gloucester having confirmed he would, he'd left the day before. Um, and yet then two days later, a quasi Asante uh, has disappeared with him as well. So um, I suppose under those circumstances, a defeat, you know, you could say it's perhaps not surprising. I know Liam Daly, the, the the club skipper, came out last night and said, you know, yes, we've lost two games in a row, but people need to have a look at actually where we are. You know, I think we've, uh, I think in the games they played up to them, they they were they'd won at all but one of them. So you know, he, he was asking people for a little bit of perspective. I think on that. Um, and I suppose the, the the thing that everybody be thinking now is is who's going to want or who's who's going to be interested in that Gloucester City job. I would think there wouldn't be any shortage of candidates. I think we've just mm. said before we came back on on air here that um, you know they're a well resourced club this season. Now they're a club that's at the top of the table. That's going to appeal to people a lot, an awful lot more than it would taking mm. over a team that's struggling at the bottom end of the National League North. Um, so I don't think there'll be any shortage of candidates um, for the role. But um, yeah, the first bump in the road for Gloucester, really. And I so said they, they lost 2-1 at home to, to Farsley Celtic yesterday. They've, they've taken um, Tavon Campbell on loan and he, he put them 
uh, into the lead, I presume he was in place of Asante. He put them into the lead, but then uh, Tom Allen equalised for Farsley Celtic and uh, Jimmy Spencer got their winner with 15 minutes to go. And that's a really good win for Adam Lakeland's side yesterday. Yeah, I was just going to say on Gloucester, they've, they've invited applicants and not physically going chasing anyone by the sounds of it. But um, moving on to Farsley, say a great win for them because they've, they've had a bit of a, a tricky start to the season. That'll be a massive boost for them. Yeah, they have. Um, but, you know, I think that there's there's a, a durability about um, Farsley Celtic, I would say. And, um, you know, they, they found a way yesterday. I think most people looking at that one um, probably would have had that down as a home win yesterday. But they've gone there and, and, and upset the odds to a certain extent. And, you know, that that's exactly the kind of thing that, that you know, they they like doing, you know, they, they, they performed very well last season in their first season in this division. I think they probably had a top half finish and then, and they were in and out of the playoffs for, uh, you know, quite lengthy spells of the season. So, um, you know, uh, they, they look like they're, they're back on track to, you know, perform similarly this year. Before we uh, look at the other games, it was good to see as well that none of the games were called off because of COVID. Yesterday in National League North, level on points with exact identical records. Um, only they're only second on goals conceded. A Kidderminster, their level on points with filed. Both of those teams won on Saturday. Both uh, both good wins again against informed teams. Yeah, it's another good win for for Kidderminster Harriers. I think it was. Um, I th- I've seen probably the, the the description hard fought. Um, about their their one nil win over Curzon Ashton yesterday, which you know won't come as a surprise to anybody because Nashton are nobody's fools they won't roll over for anyone um, but yeah a Sam Austin goal in the first half of Kidderminster I think that makes it eight games unbeaten in the league now they're on a on a really really good run um, and yeah Russell Penn looks as if he's he's, he's very uh, clearly putting his own identity down on that team they certainly look a lot more durable than Kidderminster teams have perhaps been over the last two or three seasons Um and yeah, things definitely look like they're looking up at Agra. Yeah, it's, and yeah, I know you mentioned it before, Dickie. Hard fought Kidderminster so don't always go in the same sentence, did he? Um, no, and I, I, how many times have I said? I think that's been the criticism of some of their supporters that you know they, they've been a team that that perhaps um, I know they were noted for some very attractive football. Uh, at times, um, particularly, I think when they finished second in the division about three seasons ago, but there was always that feeling that they had a little bit of a soft centre about them, and that, and that perhaps some of the younger players who um, had come down, having been released from like academies um, uh, higher up, um, perhaps just that lacked that little bit of hardened you know battle hardened sort of um experience about them and and i think that's what russell's pens brought into the side really they, they they look um they look better equipped for the national league north than they have done for some time yeah and filed uh, had to come from behind against boston in the end a good a good win for them over a team who we feel will be up there in the playoffs, won't they, Boston? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is it was a meeting of, of two of the the big guns, really. I don't think Boston had um, had played a game for a couple of weeks um, before this this game, so it was a tricky one for them to be, you know, trying to get back on track away to to AFC Fylde. Um, and yeah, Fylde came away with the points ultimately in the end. Um, second half goals from Liam Nolan and Nathan Shaw 
doing do the job for them in the end. Uh, Jim Bentley isn't uh, taking charge of the team currently at the moment because he's um, uh, awaiting um, his heart surgery, which we, we clearly wish him all the very best for. I think that's due to happen very soon. Nick Chadwick's in charge, um, and, and you know if if uh, Jim Bentley's looking for something to give him a little boost for um, what what lies ahead, then obviously his team are, are doing him very proud there. Yeah, I know when I interviewed him at the very start of the season, he said he was hoping that the results would take care of itself so he could be a bit more relaxed in his recuperation and that that seems to be the case. Um, Boston have got six games in hand on Gloucester. That was only their fifth game of the season they played yesterday, their first defeat of the season. But we imagine they'll be in the playoffs, won't they, come the end of the season? I think the the, the quality that's in the, the Boston side this season and also the, the, the depth that they've added as well, there is more depth there than they've had for quite some time. I think it would be a major surprise if Boston weren't a playoff team at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, you know, they're going to they're gonna have little bumps in the road and, and you know, Six games in hand looks terrific uh, mm-hmm. on paper, but it, it, it's played on grass, isn't it? And it just mm-hmm. depends how they actually get on when they play those games. Um, you know, we, we've, there's not too many sides from our level left in the FA Cup now, so I'm not going to have games called off for that reason. But we've got the FA Trophy starting soon. You know, we've got the, the, the Christmas period. Um, it, it, it's going to be quite... The, the first few months of 2021 are be, going to be quite intense for, you know, the likes of Boston and York who haven't played too many games now. And, and it's how they respond to it. In fourth place itself, and I went down there yesterday to see that game against Geisley and a fairly uneventful first half until right at the end um, when the referee, uh, whose name escapes me, uh, Liam Marshall was our referee yesterday. He basically, what happened is he overruled his linesman uh, for a throw-in, and as it, it Telford took the, the throw-in quickly, he tried to backpedal and ended up uh, slide tackling a Telford player. But in the end, he, he, he pulled a thigh muscle. He, he was hobbling around and didn't come out for the second half. The, the linesman took over the, uh, the the duties in the middle, and they, they needed an official. So. Up stepped Southport FC secretary James Tedford, who was there at the game scouting along with Liam Watson, and uh, he took the flag in his uh, in his Southport tracksuit um, and had a, a fairly uh, he had a fairly easy time of it. It was fair to say, uh, despite there being a red card in the middle of that game, and and it's not often we get an official on the show, so I caught up with him. Uh, after the game to uh, to get his thoughts on it. Well, giving the man of the match because otherwise the match would have maybe been abandoned. But it's um, well, your Southport secretary is that right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, <laughs> he came down scouting to watch the game, and you ended up running the line. I mean, that's uh, bizarre, wasn't it? But just tell us, well, what happened? Did you get the call? Did you volunteer? Uh, when the I think the referee slipped after about forty minutes, and it was clear that he was injured. In a situation like this, you would normally ask for a, a, a neutral referee, and it's quite easy to find one when there's 1,200 people in the ground, but given the fact that there was nobody here, I spoke to Luke at uh, Telford, my counterpart, and said I'm willing to volunteer if they were struggling for it, so yeah, on I came. Pretty, uh, it was fairly easy for you, though, wasn't it? You didn't have any sort of major decisions in front of you, did you? Yeah, the other games, as a referee, you always want anyway. You want nothing to do with one offside. There was a red card, which the referee had clearly got 100% correct anyway, mm-hmm. so it was nice and easy. If, I, would, I would hate to have the fact that we Southport go to Geisley in two weeks' time for any decision that cost Geisley anything well, today. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like that, that, that's the, is that the thought in the back of your head as well? Because you've got to go to Geisley and you go, hold on a minute. It's um, 
No, there's nothing back your head at the minute. You, you, you're here watching the game because we've got guys on a couple of weeks. The minute you become assistant referee, as a qualified referee, I become an assistant referee. Then they're just two teams, as far as I'm concerned, at that point. But thankfully, there was nothing in the game for us to do. What level do you officiate at normally? Uh, obviously, my accent. I'm from Glasgow, so I used to to be a Category Four referee, which was semi-professional at that level. Since moving here, I can't operate on a Saturday mm. uh, due, due to my job at Southport. So. Um, I'm level five here, but I do the Northwest Youth Alliance on a Sunday just to, to just to keep games in. All right, brilliant. And uh, obviously Southport, it's been uh, it's been an okay start to the season, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, well, I think the table was seventh, but the table is not true at the moment. It will take a while to settle with all the catch-ups. We done okay here a few weeks ago, Telford um, won each very very good game. We struggled against York and Boston, the bigger teams in the league, but yeah, it's, it's going so well at the moment. Brilliant. Cheers, James, and, and thank you. And Dickie, it was a bizarre incident, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and I must say, you know, we 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 send our best wishes to to Liam Marshall. I don't think it's a particularly serious injury, but you know, I think everybody kind of probably laughed about it a bit at the time. But but clearly, if he's had to, you know, um, uh, not not been able to continue, then then. Uh, you know, we we wish him all the best with that because he did look to be in some pain as he came off. Yeah, Mark Ryder, the the assistant, took the took the flag, and James Tedford took over. And as you say, he didn't have an awful lot to do in the second half of that game. Um, Telford were pretty much in control of it once they'd been given the lead uh, by defender Zach Lilly after 55 minutes. And Mark Ryder then um, was called upon to um, show a red card to Princek Polo from Geisley after a, a pretty high and late tackle on Jack Byrne, which left him uh, writhing on the floor. And then within about three minutes of that, he also had to award a, a penalty as well, which Jordan Davis put away. That put Telford 2 0 ahead. And yeah, James Tedford didn't have to exert himself an awful lot. Most of the play was in the opposite half uh, in in the second half. But um, obviously, you know, really grateful for him to for taking over. The only similar incident I can think of in this division was maybe a couple of seasons ago between Curzon Ashton and Alfreton, when Alfreton's kit lady, who was also a qualified official, ended up running the line. Um, I think that was after there'd been some debate over whether the game might actually be abandoned because I think initially Alfreton weren't entirely happy about, uh, no, Coors National weren't entirely happy about an, an official being linked to Alfreton taking over. But um, but it did go ahead and um, I suppose it's just one of those things, you know, we, we often say, you know, this kind of thing only happens in non-league, but but genuinely it seems to, you know, at the, the higher levels of football, You'd have spare officials there and, and this just kind of wouldn't be a talking point. But, you know, it's it's what we say all the time. It's this kind of stuff that makes football at our level so enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. And as Dickie said, a comfortable win for Telford. And after the game, I caught up with the, the goal scorer, Jordan Davis. He scored his first goal for the club and his manager, Davin Coward. I'm here with Jordan Davis. He scored the second goal today. His first goal for Telford. You must be, well, you've got a big grin on your face. So it says it all. Yeah, delighted to be honest. Uh, yeah, the boys. It was a great win, so we're happy to get my first goal. Keeper should probably saved it, but they go in. I'll take them at the moment. Uh, I, th- I think I scuffed it a bit. <laughs> uh, just tell us about the game. It was a, a bit of a tight one first half, and then you opened up, got the first goal, and then obviously the sending off happened. Then and it was comfortable. Yeah, I don't think uh, first half we played it. Uh, we were a bit back to front. We wasn't patient on the ball. But second half, we just said, just believe in ourselves and just play around as much as we can. And then luckily it worked. How are you enjoying it this season at Telford? Uh, <laughs> you joined in the summer? Yeah, it's brilliant. The boys welcome me straight away and uh, the gaffer believes in me. So, yeah, it was easy to come into and luckily we're doing well. 
and, and I believe you live in Wrexham, you work at a chip shop in Wrexham. Ryan Reynolds has said he'll go around every pub in Wrexham. Is he, are you hoping he's going to come in your chip shop as well? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, I don't know about that, but yeah. I think he's been into a few already, but yeah. It's, it's good for Wrexham. But mm. I'm just focusing on football at the moment at Telford. But yeah, it's, it's good for Wrexham. And in terms of, obviously, the season and at Telford, high ambitions? Has the manager set high ambitions, like playoffs, things like that? Yeah, obviously... At the beginning, we spoke about stuff, but just take each game as it comes. But yeah, with the group of boys we've got, with the manager we've got, with the belief we've got, yeah, of course, the playoffs, we believe we can get there. You must be delighted with that 2-0 win over Geisley. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we're really pleased to be able to put back-to-back wins together and uh, very happy with the performance and clean sheet. Yeah, probably cagey first half, but then you really took, once you got the first goal, you really took control then, didn't you? Yeah, I think the game, we managed the game really well. I think credit to guys there. I thought they, you know, they were really brave in possession and, and, and played particular patterns that, you know, with, with Marcus Bignett being the manager, you know that they're, they're always going to pose a threat, um, certainly tactically. And uh, they were brave enough to carry those tactics out and causing us, you know, problems seem, seamlessly. So, you know, it's, it was one of them where we, we had to be very wily to it and we had to be very um, astute and, and, and we were and like you say second half we managed just to shift up a gear and, and managed to get the win Yeah it's a big result because they haven't lost away from home since October last year have they either? No I'm just saying there in another interview that you know this this year you just see such fine margins you know we had Chorley here a couple of weeks ago or last week and you know, they certainly weren't a team languishing at the bottom. And I think guys they showed today that they can put in a level of performance that's going to get them wins if they have a bit of belief. So, yeah, we, we just managed to curtail that and, and, and stop them, you know, really getting into any stride in terms of their belief. And, uh, yeah, the goal came at a great time. I hope for a bit of consistency, even though you're up near the top. You, you started well at home, then not a lot so away from home. Then you picked up results away and not at home. Are you hoping now to obviously get on a decent run now? Well, I think that's any team that will be successful in this league. I don't think there'll be a team that everybody goes, wow, they're amazing. Mm. I think, you know, all the teams are very, very good in their own right. You know, I think it'll be the team that's most consistent. So absolutely, that's what we're looking for. Bit of a bizarre incident just for our time. The referee slipped, ended up tackling one of your players and went off injured. It was a bit of a delay. Was that, is that, does that disrupt you at all when you know there's maybe going to be a different ref and stuff like that? Not for me. Obviously, you'll have to ask the players that. But ultimately, I'd, I'd like to think that the players are professional enough to, to get on with their job in hand and... Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the officials did, did well to, to be able to deal with that. They're probably the ones who have to cope with it better, more than us. Yeah, I mean, obviously you gave the red card. I mean, what was your view of that in the middle of the pitch? Yeah, it was a little bit far away. I think it was a poor challenge. Mm. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think there was any malice in it, but I think he's gone in late, very high, and, you know, he's always going to get himself in trouble. And I was more concerned with, mm. you know, with the amount of injuries that we've got. You know, I was more concerned with my player being healthy. So, luckily he was. Um, Jack Byrne was only playing at 80% really today. Um, and to take a whack like that is, I don't yeah. think would, would have helped his cause so uh, yeah thankfully he got up but yeah unfortunately for them the, the man got sent off but um, you know thank, thank God uh, everyone's alright and, uh, and thankfully we can get the win out of it and moving on now uh, we've got Gateshead who suddenly gone three on the bounce after it was um, I saw them at Farsley and they weren't great then he squandered a, a two goal lead against the Brackley but they've won four out of the last five now a really good win away at Chester to go fifth in the division yeah and Gates said you know they were we said they were a playoff side last year and I kind of expected them to to be up there again they they invicted Gloucester's first defeat last week which I think even if without the turmoil that enveloped Gloucester last week I had a feeling that Gates might possibly be the first team um to 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 beat 
gloss to which they did. And they followed that with a great result yesterday, winning 2-1 at Chester. Um, Jordan Preston put them ahead in the first half. Simon Grand equalised for Chester early in the second half, but a really late goal, four minutes from time from Macaulay Langstaff has given Gateshead the points there. And yet, yeah, jumped up into fifth place. They've only played nine games, which is a, you know a couple less than the, a couple of the teams around them. So yeah, looking good for Gateshead and Mike Williamson again. Good draw for Bradford Park Avenue against Benny Moore there in the last playoff place, Benny Moore at the minute, but they'll probably be slightly disappointed, won't they, that they, they didn't get the three points? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, Spending More Town are a team that I've tipped and, and uh, certainly going into that game, I wouldn't have envisaged anything else, anything else other than a Spending More Town win. But, you know, I think Bradford showed two weeks ago with that four-roll draw they got at Gloucester that there's there's plenty of there's plenty of spirit in that side. And, you know, they've got a little bit of quality about them as well. And I think one of the players who, who usually stands out for Bradford, Lewis Knight, was uh, the scorer of both of their goals yesterday put them ahead early in the first half and they held on to that lead until 12 minutes from time when Ryan Hall equalised for Spennymore. Um, then Knight put Bradford Park Avenue ahead again just a few minutes later, just two minutes after that goal. But Glenn Taylor levels it for Spennymore for a 2-2. And ultimately, honours even, yeah, they, they will be disappointed that they've led twice in that game and not come away with, with all three points. But, you know, Bradford Park Avenue, I think... Uh, um, they display some of that inconsistency that a lot of the teams in this division are doing, but but on their day, they, they are uh, pretty much a match for most teams. The other standout result on Saturday was Leamington. They they played Fylde at home and York at home over the last week, and they've taken four points. And again, kudos to Paul Holleran. We say it every week, don't we? You know, uh, Leamington love to defy the doubters. Um, I've seen references today to, you know, the, the fact that they'd beaten another of the, the big boys in the division in, in York City. And, <clears throat> you know, it's the kind of game that, that Leamington absolutely relish. And they clearly went at it right from the off yesterday. I mean, we were at the Telford game and, and I think I had a remark to you that, you know, it was 2-1 already after just 12 minutes of the game. Junior English put Leamington ahead. Then Lance Smith made it 2-0 within six minutes. York got a goal back after 12 minutes and the scoring stayed at that from, from that point onwards. But um, yeah, Leamington, you, you really do write them off at their peril. You know, they 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 love the underdogs tag, and um, you know they, they'll they'll go out and give they'll give other bigger teams or or, or teams that they would perceive as bigger teams a bloody nose before the season's out. Yeah, and the final game in the division was an entertaining one, wasn't it? Yeah, goals galore at Edgar Street between um, Hereford and Kettering Town, three each there. I know Kettering have, have made some moves in the um, to bring in some new players. I think Paul Cox said after a rather disappointing defeat probably a week or two ago that he was on the lookout for, for new blood. He, uh, we, we weren't sure whether he was just firing a warning to those players that they were at the team currently that they needed to do more. Well, he's, he's acted on it and he's brought in new, uh, uh, you know, some new blood. And one of those players, Callum Powell, who he's added, scored twice yesterday. Um, Ryan Froyett got the other goal. But yeah, it was a very, very seesawing affair. Um, Kelsey Mooney put Hereford ahead. Um, then Powell equalised. Then Powell put Kettering into the lead. Jared Hotchkiss levelled it at two each. Fryat made it 3-2 to Kettering and then Linnell John Lewis equalised with the penalty in the last 10 minutes. So 3-3. Three, three. 
can't imagine either manager was entirely thrilled because Paul Cox will think that when they've held the lead a couple of times that they should hold on to it. I would think that Josh Gowling will be pleased with the spirit that his team have shown to get back into it, but won't be thrilled that they were behind, you know, on uh, twice in the game. So, um, yeah, honours even. But uh, I suppose once again, you know, the, the shame is that in an entertaining affair like that one and, and the only people are only able to watch it by, by watching it streaming online. Yeah, certainly got the money's worth, though, if they watch that game. Uh, well, that is it. Thank you very much to everyone for joining us, Rob, Chris, Dickie, and also many thanks as well to Elliot Newby, Phil Annett, and Callum Reynolds. Until then, look after yourselves. We'll see you all very soon. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Spotify. <laughs>